Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you're keeping really well on this Tuesday afternoon. Um, I am here, as many of you know, going live with Dr. Bob Dixon. Hi, Dr. Dixon. Um, it's Hi, a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It is a real pleasure, um, especially on such a controversial topic. So before we even begin, um, I have done several posts about this during the week. So people know we are discussing adding fluoride back into the Calgary municipal system, which also impacts Airdrie and some other surrounding areas. Um, I want to look at both sides, if we can, the pros and the cons of this, how it's going to impact the community. Um, I will say before we start that I have my own opinions on adding fluoride into the water. And I have had my own opinions for years on this based on my own health um, and issues I have. But it's nice to have a chat with someone that has a lot more experience. Of course, I have experience with dealing with a lot of health concerns, and I know how fluoride can impact that. But um, we're going to just go on because I know that we're stuck for time. Um, and let's get introducing you, Dr. Dixon. So let's hear about you and where you specialize, how long you have been doing this, and why you got so passionate about this movement. So uh, I'm a family physician, uh, trained at the University of Calgary. I also have a degree in physical education or what's now called kinesiology. And uh, also have certification as a registered paramedic as well out of state. Um, so I've been a, a family physician for um, over three decades now. And um, I actually got into this in 1998 when uh, we had our last uh, plebiscite referendum here in Calgary on water fluoridation. And I actually voted for water fluoridation at that time um, because, as I explained to people, I don't have time to research everything that comes across my desk out of the many hundreds of things that I see weekly. And um, so I agreed with, listened to, and uh, voted for uh, the information that had been passed to me by Alberta Health Services and the Calgary Health Region at the time. And uh, they had glowing reports on water fluoridation and um, a very slick and glossy what I'd call now propaganda. So I voted for water fluoridation and then was challenged by friends after that to actually look at the information myself, which I did. And it didn't take me very long, just a handful of weeks to pour through a lot of studies and information on both sides. And um, I was actually aghast by what I found um, by going through all that scientific information. And um, I, I, was, I thought, well, this is, this is totally wrong. We've got it wrong as a profession. And so then I took it to my uh, colleague and friend, my mentor, Dr. James, James Beck, who was um, uh, one of my profs at the University of Calgary Medical School. And I asked uh, Jim to look at all the information. And he did the same thing as me, poured through it for a few weeks. And I met with him again. And he said exactly the same that I had said, that he was just um, bored and aghast at the information that he found and that we we're actually doing this to our, our population, to our people. So at that point, I, um, I asked Jim if he'd partner with me, and uh, he said yes. And he said, with all the information and studies and data and science that we have, this was back in 1999 by that time, and he said, um, should be no problem. We should be uh, rid of this, this scourge against humanity in a matter of months. Well, it took us 12 mm -hmm. years to get it turned off in the city of Calgary. 
and um, we turned off water fluoridation here in, in 2011, as I'm sure you know. So you guys were responsible for that? So you were the driving factor behind that campaign to get the fluoride taken out of the water? I wouldn't be so pretentious as to say that we were the um, main factor, but we were certainly one of the one of the principal yeah. factors that got it removed. We, we were primarily on the uh, medical and scientific side. And so uh, we worked with the deans of medical school, medical officers of health, um, city council uh, continuously and um, giving them a lot of the new studies and information. And, um, but there was, there was a big grassroots movement at the time too. And uh, people like Faye Ash, who unfortunately just passed away about three months ago. Uh, she was a big leader. Colleen Cran, Elke Babiak was huge. There, there, Jack Locke, there's a whole number of them that uh, really led the grassroots side and they had the petitions and the posters and, uh, and did the work on the streets. And uh, so yeah. it was a combination of factors. So before we move on, my following is well aware that everything I say comes from a health first standpoint. So I tend not to say anything unless I feel it is beneficial or negative to someone's health. And I can honestly say I had known a lot about fluoride and its impact, specifically on thyroid because it's an area I specialize in. So of course, over the last few days, I've been kind of pulling up a lot of studies on PubMed. I went on to the Cochrane Journal. I went on to a few of these really highly regarded journals and I was blown away by a lot of what I saw that I didn't actually know. And I believe, if you'll excuse my language, I said, holy shit, a few times. People need to know about this and I would not be doing something like this if I genuinely wasn't passionate and think people need to know. So I would send a link the other day before we move on um, for the pros for adding in fluoride. Um, and in a section of this link, it said that there have been no scientific studies backing off um the case against fluoride by any one of legitimate stature or reputable stature. And at that stage, I was like, well, hold on a minute. Isn't the Cochrane System Review Journal one of the highest regardest medical journals in the world? And they're telling us that this may not be a good idea? Yes, yeah, so there's, I mean, that is so fallacious to say that there's no studies or no information out there. I don't know how people can actually do that. Um, they have their fingers very heavily on the delete buttons, for one thing, deleting all the thousands now of anti-fluoride studies out there. The Cochrane collaboration that you mentioned is the gold standard of medical evaluation in the world. And um, they didn't um, necessarily come out strongly against, but they, they did say there was a lot of um, studies that were not really valid on the pro-fluoridation side. They, they went through, there's several thousand on the pro-fluoridation side over the decades, and they went through them all, and they found only 19 that were even remotely close to being valid, and only three of those have been done since 1975. So really, the pro-fluoride people don't have a whole lot of leg to stand on there. And to, to put down all the thousands of studies, anti-fluoride is just not right. Uh, it's it's uh, I and mean, that's what they've been doing for decades to prop up their, their pro-fluoridation stance. Uh, but now there's just um, 
I was just thinking today while we were on a conference call, um, an international conference call about fluoridation, that um, I wish I was a cartoonist because I would make a cartoon up of, uh, of a big tsunami coming in and a couple little people standing on the beach and one would be the medical officer of health and the other would be the dental officer of health and maybe a public health person too and maybe holding up little signs saying safe and effective and looking up at this big tsunami crashing down of neurotoxicity, thyroid toxicity, bone health, kidney damage, um, ADD, you know, <laughs> the list goes on and on. We could have that tsunami just covered with all the harms and, uh, and side effects and damage caused by fluoride. So what are the pros to adding fluoride back into our water? So we've got this health, uh, it helps with dental decay and caries. So apart from that, and even that is a bit questionable, what are the other pros? Well, actually, that's that's real easy to answer. None. Uh, fluoride is not essential for a single body function. We have to get that straight. It's not necessary for anything. I, I often say if Elon Musk was to take all the fluoride to Mars, we'd be a lot healthier and happier planet. Uh, so it's not needed for a single body function. It can, in some studies, help to ameliorate decay or caries or cavities in teeth. And if you look at the pro-fluoridation data and literature, um, they often talk in percentages, so they'll say, oh, 20% decrease in caries, or 25%, or even a 50% decrease in caries. But if you look at the absolute or actual numbers of caries decreased, if you look at all the studies right across the board, the best studies that the pro-fluoridationists have, it's usually about one half to one carry or cavity in a lifetime that is saved. So, okay, 50%, well, it's one carry in a lifetime. Are you willing to risk the, the brain of your children? Uh, you're willing to drop IQ by four to seven points? Are you willing to really damage your thyroid gland, particularly in people that are low in iodine? I mean, the list goes on and on. Are you willing to do all those, risk all those side effects, all that potential harm for one half to one carry a lifetime? Maybe. So, have you came across um, an article or a study done by the University of Calgary and the study shows tooth decay worsening in Calgary children after the fluoride removal? Mm -hmm. That would be Dr. McLaren's study from February of 2016 that's got hundreds of press hits across Canada and around the world really uh, since that study came out three and a half years ago. Um, Yes, it's unfortunate because even Dr. McLaren has admitted that her study does not show that there is a big spike or a big increase uh, in cavities and caries in Calgary. Um, what happened is a 10-year study from 2004 to 2014. And um, when the study started, Calgary's caries were lower than Edmonton's. Both had been fluoridated for a number of years. Edmonton's actually been fluoridated since 1967 and still is. Calgary had been fluoridated since 1991. And um, so in that study, it showed that, as I said, Calgary's caries started lower than Edmonton's, but they both increased over that 10-year period, and they actually met at the end. And uh, so studies can show almost anything you want. You get cherry-pick enough information out of them. So 
Dr. McLaren kind of suggested that maybe in baby teeth, the primary teeth in kids, not in permanent teeth, but in the primary teeth, maybe perhaps that cessation of fluoride three quarters of the way through that study in 2011. Then after that, there was perhaps an increase in, in uh, cavities or caries, but it was not statistically significant. And um, actually that same study showed that the permanent teeth in Calgary's kids were slightly better than Edmonton's, but again, not statistically significant. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, we ended up at the same place as they did. And if you look at the data that you didn't include in that original 2016 study, uh, it actually shows that almost all the increase in Calgary's kids' cavities or caries occurred before 2010, while Calgary was still fluoridated. So yes, we had a bigger increase in cavities or caries than Edmonton's kids did in that 10-year period, but almost all of it increased before we stopped fluoridation. Then it leveled out at the same rate as Edmonton's, and as I said, ended up at the same place, essentially, at the end of the study. So she even admits, and we have it on record, we have several um, statements that she made, uh, even to a Canadian dental journal, that, well, no, actually, my study didn't show a spike in cavities or caries in Calgary's kids. Um, it showed a gradual increase over the 10 years of the study. Okay, so do you think a lot of that is more correlation rather than causation? So the industry I work in, and I specialize a lot in metabolic syndrome and thyroid, of course, and obesity and diabetes and whatnot, there is the whole correlation factor that was it the fluoride was it the increase in the economy was it the increase in sugar consumption does the increase in dental caries coincide with the increase in obesity i mean there's a whole lot that could be at play here i believe absolutely you're totally correct there um, there's so many factors that come into play and you know <laughs> If you look at the data for the last uh, 60 or so years since we've, we've done water fluoridation, it's actually 74 years or so since we've started. But in the last um, 50 or 60 years, the World Health Organization has well documented that all countries, all Western world and developed countries, uh, whether they're fluoridated or not, have come down in their cavities or caries at exactly the same rate. And so right there, that says that water fluoridation had nothing to do with it. But they still claim, well, you know, cavities and caries came down here, so it must be uh, due to water fluoridation. That is, is not the case. However, unfortunately, that downward trend has now turned into a little bit of an uptick. And that is in places that are fluoridated or not. We're getting more cavities and more caries in places like Calgary, but also in Edmonton that's been fluoridated since 1967. Toronto that's been fluoridated since the 1960s. All these places are showing that uptick in, in kids' cavities and caries. Why is that? Well, you've just alluded to a lot of the, the reasons right there. It's the diet, it's the sugary drinks, it's a lack of dental care, it's poverty. Um, there's so many issues there. The microbiome is probably the biggest part of it. The gut microbiome, but also the oral microbiome as well, which is very important with cavities and caries. And we're affecting those microbiomes significantly with um, not only our diet and um, and the things that we ingest in our water, our, our drinks, our food, but also in what's in our air and, um, and in everything around us, all those 80,000 chemicals out there that are affecting our microbiomes. And that's a, a big part of the cause of, of the cavities and caries in fluoridated or non-fluoridated cities. So fluoride or water fluoridation has little to do with it.
And when you even talk about the microbiome, we know that even stress can affect that in a case that if we are under a lot of chronic stress, we're not producing as much stomach acid, then of course, if bacteria does come into our mouth, we don't have the ability to fight that off and so on and so on. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, so looking at the pro, and I'll be honest, and I know a lot of people are gonna have their opinions about this. I mean, it's it really is a controversial topic. You, It's kind of, you're on either one side of the fence, not many people are neutral that I, I looked through a lot of studies. I looked for the pros and I do agree that there are some studies that say it is a preventative measure for tooth decay. A lot of the backlash I've seen over the last few days or messages being sent to me have been from, and this is a, I'm 100% transparent, they were from dental nurses. So I didn't get any backlash at all. And I do have a client that is a very reputable um, denturist here. And even she is against the addition of fluoride. But I, I keep coming back to the same thing all the time. It prevents tooth decay. And you know what? Anyone watching this knows me, knows I'm very real. That when someone brings that up to me, well, the prevention of tooth decay, I call bullshit on that straight away. I'm like, don't give me that. When you look at society and the instance of diabetes, and obesity and now we've got type 3 diabetes someone told me that adding fluoride to our water has been shown to prevent alzheimer's and i'm like please don't don't give me that i did a whole talk on brain health we know that alzheimer's is driven by the instances of high sugar cholesterol hydrogenated fats the sedentary lifestyle, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm having a hard time seeing the pros. So I'm hoping that you can tell me while we're trying to look at the pros, why are the authorities considering adding it back into our waters? Well, because they're listening to the medical officers of health and the dental officers of health, which are people that are in position of power and authority. Uh, they also have a lot of money behind them as well to promote their campaigns, which the anti-fluoride or safe water uh, programs have very little or nothing to uh, to most of their programs. So um, it, it's medical politics at its worst. Uh, we've been supporting this this failing public health initiative for decades now, for about seven decades. Um, we as a medical profession and dental profession too are just not willing to admit that in this instance we're wrong. We've been wrong before, as you're well aware. We've been wrong about cigarette smoking, about lead and gasoline and paint, about thalamide, uh, you know, the asbestos. Saturated fat. Pardon? Yeah, the saturated fat controversy. Yeah, oh, well. fats and sugars, uh, the way the sugar industry steered um, us away from their industry and blamed uh, put all the blame on fats. And then the pharmaceutical industry has made billions upon billions of dollars with that. Um, particular entity over the last couple of decades, few decades. Um, yeah, so uh, we're just not willing to admit that we're wrong this time. And we're totally wrong about this one. Um, that there's been Nobel laureates in medicine that have called water fluoridation, not one of, but the biggest scam ever propagated against humanity. I mean, and th these are people that have nothing to gain by saying that and a lot to lose because they can lose their careers or they can be given a very rough ride. 
um, which they often are, but they've had the courage to stand up and say that. Um, it, it's one of the biggest scams that's ever been propagated against humanity. I still, I know the hearing is coming up soon and I really don't know how they're going to justify adding this back in. Their only ace up their sleeve is preventing tooth decay. That is it. Now and, I, and, sorry, and it's, in, it's, in, it's in the poorest kids. We, uh, that's, that's the hard string that they pull. It's for the poor kids. Now I've been well, working for the last four decades with poor kids. Homeless. Pardon me? Yeah. I did get that mentioned to me about the homeless and an increase on um, carries with them. And my response to that may be controversial, but maybe we shouldn't waste so much money on malls we don't need and start handing out fluoride toothpaste if if Calgary municipal system can afford to do that and they're so concerned about the homeless. I mean, I'm probably going to get a bit of backlash, but there's been a big mall built on Deerfoot there and it's rare you even see cars in the car park. Now, to me, that's a waste of money, yet we're talking about adding in fluoride to the water that might be detrimental to all our health. If we're really concerned about if we're really concerned about the poor and um, their, their dental care in particular, then we'll tackle the root causes of poverty. That's the best way to eliminate um, teeth problems, caries and cavities is, is to actually tackle poverty because that's the biggest determinant of poor dental health is poverty, not the lack of fluoride. And if you look at, at uh, countries like Scotland that has no water fluoridation at all, um, they, they noticed an uptick or a rise in their kids' cavities around uh, the late 1990s or 2000. So they started a pilot program called the Scottish Child Smile Program. And that was so highly successful that it ran it across virtually their whole country. And it had huge success with it because they start with the little kids that are maybe two and three years old. And they start doing dental care, oral care with them, teaching them oral health. But not just teaching them oral health, but teaching them total body health too. So as they progress, as they age, their levels of diabetes are far less, their levels of obesity are far less, uh, cardiac disease, everything right across the board is, is vastly decreased because of this program that they're actually teaching kids about diet and about oral health and about how to brush properly and, and all their, their care. And uh, they take that home with them and it expands through their families and, and through their society. So overall, a program like that is just light years more effective than anything, uh, even if fluoridation was two or three times as effective as they claim it is, it still wouldn't be anywhere near as effective as something like the Scottish Child Smile Program or the programs they have in Den uh, Denmark or Finland or, or Switzerland. I mean, there's so many programs around the world that are highly effective. Yeah, and I suppose we're kind of trickling into the negatives of adding fluoride into the water now. Um, there's one thing I will say is that I do have hypothyroidism myself, so I actively try to monitor my fluoride intake as much as possible. For those of you that don't know, fluoride can compete with thyroid hormones in the body. Um, so it is something that I encourage my clients to be aware of. I don't use fluoride toothpaste. Um, I monitor my intake. I drink filtered water. Like I, I think I'm pretty smart. 
but I can't remember the last time I went to the dentist. I don't have dental issues. My kids don't use fluoridated toothpaste either, but that's a choice. And that brings me to the next thing. So the countries, the majority of the world don't fluoridate their water. So the most highly fluoridated populations are North America, Australia as well. Um, my home country, Ireland, they do fluoridate their water, unfortunately. Um, but Belgium, so Belgium is a country that does not fluoridate their water. And they do it as um, a pro-choice. Like, it's your choice. If you want fluoride, you go get it yourself, which I'm for all for. For the pro-fluoride people, go do what you want. If you want to go get fluoride, buy your fluoridated toothpaste, buy your mouthwash, even ask your dentist for a supplement. But for those of us that don't, we have, we should have that choice. And people, I don't think a lot of people realize that fluoride is a medication. And after World War II, in the human rights legislations, they put in a legislation stating that, after what the Nazis did, that it was illegal to force medicate the population or the public. Mm -hmm. Yet adding mm -hmm. fluoride into our water is going to be forced medication. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just from what I know of my little bit of history. But even Germany have expressed their concerns about fluoride getting into the fresh water systems and even into the oceans. So, I mean, there, it's a huge topic that I don't think people get. Everyone's talking about teeth. Can we stop talking about teeth and look at the bigger picture? If you have a problem with your teeth, stop eating so much sugar. Like, come on, we're not kidding anyone. Sugar is a huge problem. And we also know that eating really well can be for, let's just say, the people that make the most amount of money can afford to eat better. So people that are poverty stricken or maybe homeless, they may have to resort to more sugary junk foods. And this is where I need, I, I think we need to stop looking at teeth. What about everything else? What about the dolphins? What if fluoride gets in the dolphins' water? Everyone loves dolphins, but nobody's talking about the dolphins. Well, it's Sorry. it's interesting <laughs> that um, uh, if, if you know where our fluoride comes from that we put into our water, uh, it actually comes from the fertilizer industry waste stacks. It's scrubbed out of the fertilizer industry stacks in Florida and China for the most part. And uh, it says hydrofluorosilicic acid. It's not pharmaceutical-grade fluoride. It's not cleaned, it's not monitored. Um, it just comes straight out of the stacks and is put into our, our water that's already cleaned by a several steps. And then the last step is to inject hydrofluorosilicic acid into it. So that in itself should end the whole practice because it comes along with small amounts, trace elements of lead and uh, mercury and arsenic and um, strontium and cadmium and bromium and all sorts of nasty things that are not good for you. Uh, trace amounts, but those bioaccumulate just like fluoride bioaccumulates in our bones and other parts of our body over years. And it's and none of those things are good for us. So right there, it should be ended. But as you mentioned, it's also um, the right to safe and clean water. Everybody has that right to safe, clean, unmedicated water. And uh, so it's just unethical to put a highly toxic substance into our clean and safe water. Um, 
We, uh, if you came to me as a doctor, I couldn't, I couldn't do that uh, unless I gave you informed consent. And if you talk to 100 people in the street, probably 50 wouldn't even know if we had fluoride or not or wouldn't even know what it is. So there's no informed consent. There's no monitoring or follow-up ever. They just say, take as much as you want for the rest of your life and um, don't come, don't bother us anymore. We'll just, just trust us. It's safe and effective. Well, it's not safe and effective because we never talk about dose or dosage. That's another point that uh, most people don't understand. The, the pro-fluoridationists say, oh, well, it used to be 1.2 parts per million. That was safe and effective. Now we're putting fluoride in at one part per million. Then it was 0.8 parts per million. Now it's 0.7 parts per million. Um, trust us, safe and effective. But uh, if, if you as a small person drink um, 10 times the water, glasses of water that I do, you're getting 10 times the dose. And if you're half my weight, you're getting 20 times the dosage. So people yeah. just don't understand that, and the pro-fluoridation has never addressed that. Yeah, so I'm five foot six. I think I'm pretty small, but I exercise a lot. So this morning in the gym alone, I consumed a liter of water. That was in the gym. That doesn't include my teas and my coffees and what I drink. I mean, they say the safe dosages, but they cannot control for that. And they also can't control the fluoride that's already in maybe sparkling water. And I know that's a calcium fluoride. So it is a different form than what they plan to add into our water, but also fluoride that may be in our teas. Then people that do go to the dentist regularly, they're vested. We're getting this huge accumulation of fluoride that cannot be controlled. And it just can't. And when exactly. I talk a lot about thyroid health, when you look at thyroid health, the almost 90% of the population has some sort of thyroid issue. When we look at thyroid health, something as low as 1.6 parts per million can affect the thyroid. Now, if you have someone like me that's very active, already has a thyroid issue, and I'm again, this is correlation, not causation, but I used to be obese and everything, so I'm not saying it was fluoride that caused my thyroid issue. There's definitely correlation there. And I'm coming home and I'm drinking green tea and I'm doing stuff to optimize my health. And maybe I go to the dentist all the time. Nobody can control that. The council can't control that. The municipal systems can't control how much water I'm going to consume. Or what if I got food poisoning last night and I'm vomiting all night. Now today I'm dehydrated, so I'm extra hydrating or super hydrating. There's just, it's just too uncontrollable the variables there's too many of them exactly and and even if uh, fluoride did work it's a very awkward way to deliver a medication because 99 percent of the water approximately is not drank it's used to wash cars and water lawns and fill our swimming pools and whatever um it, it's only one percent thereabouts is drank so um the other 99 percent goes back into the environment unchecked and that's exactly what was happening in the fluoride industry. They can't, they're not allowed to put it in the water, the ground, the air, anywhere by strict law. And yet they can do this end around. They can dispose of it, some of it in our bodies and the rest is dumped back into the Bull River and our other water systems uh, unchecked and unbalanced. Yeah, so through that negative kind of feedback loop, it's going back into our atmosphere, it's going into our clouds, and then it's raining on the dolphins. <laughs> and then people are complaining about the dolphins. Mm -hmm. it, it really is such a big picture. So I'm aware of time. 
We spoke about thyroid. I've posted a lot in this event. I have tons of studies. If people want to see studies, I can send them. Um, I just want to look a bit more at the negativity. So I don't want to talk about teeth because people know teeth. Okay, we've done that. But let's look at the other negativities. So osteosarcoma. There was a time where they were saying that that was a rare condition, yet now in the United States, they're diagnosing up to a thousand new cases every year in teenagers, specifically boys that are of growth spurt age. Now I have a 14 year old. So something like that concerns me. He's growing. I have a six year old. He's going to grow. All I can do is stack conditions in their favor all the time, but not if those conditions that are playing against us are also stacking at the same time. That's so that really concerns me a lot. And I don't think people understand that. Um, can you talk a little bit about osteosarcoma and its connection to the fluoride? Yeah, osteosarcoma is still quite rare, but um, um, it is uh, increasing. And particularly in the States, it's 75% fluoridated. Are you gonna see more of it over the years? There's been some studies that have been buried by the powers that be. Um, generally over the, the last few decades, people that have come up with findings like that have either um, lost their funding, lost their jobs, have been uh, really uh, denigrated and pilloried by the press and by their colleagues and, and by business, big business as well, because fluoride is a, at least a $16 billion industry with Colgate, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer and such in the States. And uh, so there's a lot of money that goes into the pro-fluoride um, lobby and system and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of pressure that's used to um, so bury, literally bury and negate these studies that come up. So osteosarcoma, although rare, is very, um, very dangerous and a, most often a fatal disease and it's most often in young boys. And uh, yes, there, uh, the studies have shown that there is a propensity for more osteosarcoma in fluoridated areas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the other ones, we should probably look at neurotoxicity is, is the worst because the newest studies coming out, and there's been studies, uh, Canadian studies from 2017 and 2018, there's another one coming out next month from a, a Canadian researcher as well, and those are all pointing towards um, damage, fetal, fetal damage, so damage to, uh, in, in places where pregnated women uh, are drinking fluoride and it damages their fetus, their unborn child. So, um, you know, again, neurotoxicity versus half a cavity saved in a lifetime, I mean, it shouldn't even be in the conversation. Well, wasn't it in 2005 that um, fluoride was officially labeled a neurotoxin along with all the other neurotoxins? I believe. It was 2015 in the Lancet, the Lancet Medical Journal. Yes, in the Lancet. I knew it was the Lancet. I was getting a file from somewhere. So, I mean, the Lancet is a very well, highly regarded journal in the world of health and neurology. And if those guys are saying, hey, this is not good for you, this is not good for your brain, then maybe we should take that seriously. Exactly. And uh, there's so no... There's now 57 of 61 studies in humans that are showing uh, neurotoxicity and brain damage in kids. And there's hundreds now of studies in, in animals and, and uh, in the labs that are showing brain damage as well. 
Um, so, I, I mean, it, as I mentioned before, the tsunami is coming. Uh, there's a lot of information and a lot of studies coming down the pipe, even though there's very little funding for the anti-fluoridation researchers and toxicologists and such. Yeah, so and someone, back to that whole one cavity, and someone did bring this up with me the other day, and they said, well, if it's a case of protecting teeth and there's a small risk of getting thyroid disease or there's a small correlation, I'm going to go with protecting teeth. And I was like, mm, I don't know if that's an argument because if it comes to my kids and like I'm a mama bear, if there's even a tiny risk that anything might be detrimental to their health or might have a long-term serious outcome which by the way we don't have any extremely large scale long-term studies on the negative effects of fluoride so there's nobody that can say they're good that it is going to be fine in 10 years time or 20 years time i mean if someone told me look there's a chance this could damage your kids even if it's like out of dumb and dumber where he gets that one in a million chance he says is there a chance if there's a chance of my kids i'm not going to take that chance no way um not for the sake of maybe depriving them of some sugar or teaching them proper oral healthcare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is a lot, lot higher than one in a million. It's, uh, it's almost, um, well, it's getting to the point it's being proven now that uh, even a one milligram um, increase in, in toxic load of fluoride decreases IQ by one point. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of studies out there now and there's going to be more in the next handful of years. Uh, so even the Canadian studies are showing that the urine fluoride level in women, in pregnant women, is twice what it is um, in fluoridated areas than in non-fluoridated areas. So, so right there you have a, a, a proven study in Canadian women. Yeah, so um, back, before we start wrapping up, um, I had mentioned that the Ontario Ministry of Health released an article on this, uh, I think it was 96 or 99, and they mentioned that there may be a correlation with uterine cancer. Whether or not it's causation or correlation, for me, I'm like, if there is any sort of risk, I would rather not do that at all, um, especially with cancer being on the increase. So if fluoride may have a correlation to cancer, um, along with all our other environmental exposures between our nutrition and pesticides and toxic rain and stress and all of that, I would rather not also add fluoride to that stack that might push me towards some sort of cancer down the line either. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's a very valid point there. And, you know, you look at uh, British Columbia, that's 98% not fluoridated. Quebec is 98% not fluoridated. Uh, I mean, those, those jurisdictions are doing very well as far as their teeth. Um, BC has some of the best kids' teeth in the country. And uh, so, really, if you look at 95% of the world not fluoridated, um, there's just no justification for putting this toxin in the water. As we mentioned before, there's so many other ways and means of getting fluoride. Um, and it's cheap too, it's not very expensive. So whether we subsidize the poor or whether we um, 
a better dental care for them. Uh, there's so many ways that they can get uh, fluoride as well. And if you look at the babies and the children and the unborn children, those are the ones that that toxic dose of fluoride is much, much higher because, you know, as, a, as an adult, our toxic dose might be here, but, you know, you're getting a much higher dose according to body weight per kilogram of weight in children and then a higher dose in infants and even higher dose in babies and, and then a, a, the unborn child in the fetus. Uh, that toxic dose is very, very easy to reach and it's surpassed in many ways. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, the pros, I get the pros, your teeth, negatives, I mean, how it affects the adrenals, the kidneys, the liver, joint health. There's, there's a lot that goes mm -hmm. on there. So if, let's say if the pro people win, how much is it going to cost us to add it back into the water? And who's going to pay for it? Um, are we going to pay for well, it? Are taxes that, or what's you bet, you bet the taxpayer is going to pay for that. Um, as you mentioned, probably wouldn't be the taxpayers of Airdrie or Strathmore or Chestermere that are fluoridated by Calgary Water. It would be the Calgary taxpayers that pay for that. There's about a, approximately a $6 million infrastructure cost for uh, to get fluoride up and running again because fluoride is highly... Um, toxic against the uh, metals and uh, the components of the of the injection systems, and so that would all have to be replaced for about six million dollars first uh, upfront cost, and then it's about a million dollars a year for the product and the training and the staff and the hazmat suits that they need to handle this and all that sort of thing. So uh, seven million dollars right up front, and then a million dollars a year. So in these uh, times of fiscal and economic constraint, I don't think we can afford that in Calgary. And plus the fact that there's so many better ways. The pro-fluoridation has come out with studies and whatever saying, oh, $38 saved for every dollar spent on fluoridation, $64, $112, whatever. It's a moving target to come up with something different every week. But um, all those studies have been um, debunked and uh, been shown to be incorrect because um, they don't even... Uh, they don't even put the cost of treating fluorosis. And we haven't talked about fluorosis, actually. Fluorosis is the damage to kids' teeth by having too much fluoride. It's the first visible sign of toxicity. It's the white flecks in teeth, and then maybe yellowish uh, staining in flecks, and then brown, and then uh, in the severe cases, which is a smaller percentage, um, but which is increasing markedly in fluoridated areas, those can cost huge amounts of money to, uh, to repair tens of thousands of dollars to repair moderate to severe fluorose teeth. So um, if, if you look at the, um, the cavities saved, that one half to one cavity saved over a lifetime, uh, that number is negated very quickly by even the fluorosis costs. And then, of course, they never, the profluoridationists never talk about the costs of treating the thyroid problems, the kidney problems, the loss in IQ. And if you took even a one point IQ loss, it's, it turns into over uh, 20 years, it's into the billions of dollars of loss in Calgary alone. There's good studies out there that show uh, per, uh, for, per one point of IQ loss, how much it costs our economy, and it's huge. And, but, and then when we look at that fluorosis, that comes back a full loop to it's uncontrollable. You cannot yeah. control the amount that someone is going to ingest. Yeah. You really can't. Because kids are injecting um, in toothpaste, and uh, then, of course, you have all the, the treatments at the dental office. You have 
the pesticides and herbicides, uh, the fact that it's in processed foods and a lot of drinks. Uh, so there's many sources for fluoride and water fluoridation is still the top source uh, and, and the, the largest source of fluoride in our bodies. So um, adding that on to what we already have in our, in our environment and our food sources, uh, in our atmosphere and whatever, um, we do not need added fluoride in our water. You know, honestly, I think I think the best approach, and I may be biased, but the best approach is pro-choice. I mean, if I don't want to eat sugar, I don't eat sugar. If I don't want to drink alcohol and drive, I don't drink and drive and put myself at risk. But if I don't want fluoride, you know what? I don't buy fluoride toothpaste. I just don't. But I have that right. And I think from the comments I'm seeing on Facebook now, people are looking for more pro-choice. Fair is fair. It is a medication. Why are we being forced medication? Why is nobody addressing anything other than tooth decay all the time? Oh, there, it just doesn't there's no validation behind this in my opinion like no solid validation just do not give me the tooth decay thing i'm sick of hearing it it's like people um telling me they're sick all the time but they they're not proactive with their health or they don't want to stop drinking or smoking or eating sugar i mean it really is an individual choice and in the case like this you know what I don't take birth control and I speak openly about it all the time. That is my choice. That is my right exactly. to choose whether or not I want to put synthetic hormones or a medication into my body. Uh, and this is what I think people are not getting. So um, I'm just looking really quick before we wrap up here and where you have to go to work. Um, in the countries that do fluoridate, so I have a comment from Ireland here, my hometown, um, should, should they be concerned, but why, why are these countries adding fluoride to the water? Do you know what their reasoning is behind this? Is it well, again a money thing? Is it? It's again, it's, it's the medical politics and the money and power behind it. So Ireland is one of two countries in the world that has mandatory fluoridation for their whole country. The other is Singapore. And I've been to Singapore and uh, have a lot of fluorosis there. Um, I know Declan Wall uh, is a very excellent researcher in Ireland, uh, uh, Wall, W-A-U-G-H. Uh, if you can Google him, if you haven't heard of him, he's doing a lot of studies in Ireland and he's behind uh, one of the driving forces behind stopping uh, mandatory fluoridation in Ireland and uh, excellent studies that he's come out with. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, as I say, it's medical politics. It's, uh, uh, circular referencing it's well they said these people said those people said over there so I guess we'll say so too this list they they talked about of the 93 or 110 medical uh, or professional organizations that endorse water fluoridation well that list is shrinking um, on a monthly or yearly basis the, um, the liver foundations uh, the kidney foundations uh, they're all they're all starting to back off the Alzheimer's foundations some of the organizations that still support on that list of professional organizations are the Chocolatier Society and the uh, and the sugar industry. So um, yeah, it's it's just something that um, we've got so ingrained in, we're so invested in, and also I think people are afraid of lawsuits too. If we admit that oh we've been poisoning people for the last seventy years, um, what sort of class action suits might come out of that? So well, there's a yeah. few reasons. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting to see what evolves over time. 
So before we finish, um, because I can see we've got a couple of viewers now watching us and enjoying. So hi, everyone. Um, I wanted to just mention, so fluoride being adding to our water. What if it was proposed to add glucose to our water? How do you think people would feel about that? Well, we could add a number of things. We could add aspirin in to prevent heart disease. We could add statins in to lower our cholesterols. We could add Prozac in to help our mental health. I mean, nobody in the world anywhere adds anything into their water, except 5% of the world adds fluoride or hydrofluorosilicic acid into their water. So it's just, it's unprecedented. We don't treat anything else with mass medication because it's such a clumsy and awkward and uncontrolled way to medicate people. So. Why would we add fluoride in when its use is topical? It does have some, there are some studies that show topical use. Even the CDC in the States, the Center for Disease Control, admits that its effect is topical. And so why would, like, mm -hmm. we don't swallow our sunscreen. We don't uh, swallow our mouthwash. We don't, we use Botox. We don't swallow that. It's topical. All those things are topical. We don't swallow them. So why should, why should we swallow something that works topically like fluoride? Yeah. And, um... I think it was the CDC that mentioned that some of those topical dosages can be 500 times more than what we can even tolerate, which is insane. Um, and that, of course, I work with many people. So I'm a biohacker, in case you didn't know. So that means I help people optimize their selves, their health. I work with people with all different types of health concerns. I'm a nutritional therapist, so I help them if they're on a medical journey too. Um, but I work with and I see the prevalence of metabolic syndrome and the ripple effect that that has in people. So when we look at metabolic syndrome, it's the instance and rise of obesity um, in our day and age and how it affects the, the body. So uh, what I see is thyroid. I see PCOS, I see endometriosis, I see estrogen dominance, I see women, and I'm going to say this because I'm very passionate about this. I see women getting their breasts removed because of the instance of metabolic syndrome. And that may be correlation or causation, but there is a factor there, and nobody can deny it that there is a factor. Now, there is a correlation that fluoride does impact the mitochondria and the metabolism, how sensitive or insensitive we are to insulin and how we use our blood sugars and all of this. So hands down for me, this is a big no. This is just a big no. I work with so many people that are sick. I don't want to be making them sicker. I just don't. Exactly. And fluoride is such a tiny aggressive ion. Uh, it's in every cell, every system, every organ in our body. And, uh, it, you know, it's just fallacious to think that it goes only to the teeth and only does good in the teeth where it goes to the brain and crosses the placental barrier, but it doesn't do anything there. It just kind of hangs out there. The small aggressive ion just that doesn't cause any harm. I mean, how people could even uh, go there, I'm not sure. Yeah. So... It has been a pleasure. As you can see, I get kind of worked out of all of that stuff that I'm passionate about. Is there anything you would like to wrap up on? Is there one last thing you'd like to say to people? Maybe they should just do their own research. Um, anything you'd like to say? Exactly. I was. That's the comment I was thinking of. 
Uh, there's lots of research out there. The Fluoride Action Network out of New York has over 80,000 members. It's the best source of information in the world on fluoride. There's study after study in there. So it's a fluoride, it's found, the Fluoride Action Network. Their website is um, www.fluoridealert.org. Uh, um, in Calgary here, we have Safe Water Calgary. at safewatercalgary.com is our website. Tons of information on there. The first thing that people should do if they want to really research this is go on our website, safewatercalgary.com, and right on the homepage, there's four things. The first one you'll see is the Fluoride 101 video. It's by a Portland dentist. It's the best video I've ever seen. Um, it is so good. It debunks a lot of the, the modern-day myths of water fluoridation, and it's very educational. So everybody can afford 12 minutes to watch that. And then if you want more information, delve into the science we have on our website. Go to the FAN, the Fluoride Action Network website. Uh, read the newest research. The, the research that has come out in the last uh, two or three years out of Canada. Uh, Bashash's study uh, um, from uh, Mexican women, um, but he's out of University of Toronto. Um, Christine Till, uh, Malin, all those people have come up with great studies in the last uh, small handful of years. And so do your research, read the studies, and, and don't believe it when the pro-fluoridationists say that there are no anti-fluoridation or harm studies out there. There's thousands of them. So go online, research, and make your own decisions. And there, there is, of course, going to be a lot of people that are going to say that this conversation or this video is very one-sided or biased. And I encourage you, go look yourself. Exactly. Look for studies on pro-fluoridation because I looked. I looked and I could not find them. So, and if you do find them, please send them to me and I will post them and I will share them with people. But well, definitely. And the other thing I'd like to mention there is look up all the pro-fluoridationist studies on um, percentages of cavities or caries decreased. And, um, and then equate those to the real numbers. So all those numbers are gonna be, almost all of them are between one half and one cavity or carry in a lifetime. So. Yeah, 50%, great. If it's one cavity or carry, balance it against all the harms, all the damages, all the toxicities, the neurotoxicity. Um, I mean, it's just, it's such an imbalance. It's, it's huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a final point, if you don't want to go to Fluoride Alert website or Safe Calgary website or anything like that because you're already saying to yourself, well, they're already biased, don't then. Go to PubMed yourself, go to examine.com, go to the Cochrane Journal. You can access a lot of these studies. Look it up yourself. You don't have to go directly to a site that is deemed biased or one-sided. Just at least be educated before you make a decision, be educated. So, so I don't think it would be correct to call us biased, but we are one-sided because we're wanting to protect uh, the babies and the children and the people of color and the disadvantaged and the elderly and all those people that are harmed more by side effects. But on our site, there's hundreds and in some cases thousands of studies that are linked. Like we, we, they're not our studies, they're linked to PubMed, they're linked to the researchers, the toxicologists and the people that are actually doing the studies. So they're not our studies. Even if you perceive us as being biased, we're giving you links to the actual studies. So yeah, you can do your own research and find them yourself or you can just do a one click shot there and. Uh, and find the studies on our sites. Yeah, okay. So it has been a pleasure talking to you, it really has. 
Uh, hopefully we can do it again soon, maybe after the hearing, we'll see what the outcome is. You know, really, I think the hearing should be postponed if it was me, because I don't think people are educated enough. I think it should be put back to give people more time to educate themselves. But I don't work in the chambers, so I don't know if that will happen. But well, um, we certainly well, we'll, do we'll, this. We'll see what the O'Brien Institute of Public Health uh, report says, first of all. Uh, that reports being given to the council and to the public on uh, July 24th. So we'll see what they say and we'll go from there. Yeah, well, best of luck with it. Um, and I will get the link to the survey and post it for people if people want to vote on that or against or whatever they would like. Um, but yeah. it's been a pleasure. If Enjoy you, if you the could, uh, please put our link up there, the safewatercalgary.com uh, slash action link, because if people want to help us, um, all the information is there to email your city councillors and uh, the mayor and, and whoever. And um, we, need, um, we need a lot of help to get the information up there. Yeah, I definitely think this video and from the comments I can see on Facebook, this has been an eye opener for a lot of people. So hopefully it reaches more over the next few days. Hopefully. Well, enjoy your day and um, I should chat with you again soon. It's been a pleasure. You're very informed, and it's, it's nice to see people like you on Facebook that are highly informed. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you everybody for watching. If there is any studies that I have referenced to that you would like to um, have a look at yourself, please do reach out to me or comment below and I will post the links below. There is a lot of information and to be honest, we didn't even touch on a lot of what I wanted to touch on in this. Um, Again, if you have anything pros, I would love to see pros. I would really love to see them, but I just couldn't find them. So if you have something that is pro, um, that is well supported, please send it my way and I will post it. Otherwise, I hope you found this very helpful um, and are a bit more educated now because it's an important topic and I don't think people realize how much of an important topic it is. Um, and think of the dolphins, like really, let's think of the dolphins before we start adding fluoride into our water. Okay, enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Thank you for watching and please share. If you think this could help your community or someone you know could benefit from this, please, please share. Okay, thank you and have a great day. Bye.